0: Unity is strength. When there is teamwork and collaboration, wonderful things can be achieved. That quote is by 14-year-old poet Maddie Stepanak. I'm Danielle. And I'm Raleigh. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast.
1: All right. Oh, hey, Raleigh. That was a bad, that was a bad, uh, I didn't fade out on that one as much as I wanted to. (laughs) That was like a quick, quick halt. Wow. (laughs) What happened to the DJ skills I used to have? We're on location today. Yeah. You might hear some dogs barking.
0: It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, an apartment complex. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on outside my windows. I have a playground, uh, down. Maybe someday we'll have a. Studio, maybe someday that's we'll just have dream. like sound, like a sound soundproofer, something like that, soundproof room that we can, or like soundproofing that we can take with us, a safe room,
1: or is, that's fine too. Yeah, um, a panic room? No, that's a whole other thing.
0: <laughs> so this student, and I'm sorry for if I butchered this kid's name, but Maddie Stepanek. Mm-hmm. Maddie Stepanek, is a 14 year old kid who um, passed away um, in 2004. And he was a wonderful poet. Had written six books of poetry by the time he was fourteen. Um, so I thought that was a really cool um, quote for today's topic. Yes. Which is. Which comes from. Which comes from Erin from mm-hmm. Instagram. So thank you so much, Erin, for that this idea. So it's really um, supporting all the in and out, the people that come in and out of your classroom. So mm-hmm. managing your paraeducators. Um, and having you know, related services. When you're in sub-separate um, classrooms or partially substantially separate classrooms, a lot of times you have a lot of people flowing in mm-hmm. and out. Um, whether you're at a therapeutic placement, you have people coming in and out, whether they're behavior specialists, related service providers. At public schools, you may have a literacy specialist or a writing specialist or something, all coming in and out throughout the day. So the question is, how do you organize that and manage it and also, how do you support your paraeducators who probably are new, mm-hmm. or at least new to you, and you run the classroom, so how do you manage all of that
1: together in yeah. your first or second year of teaching?
0: teaching?
1: That's, that's a heavy one. It's a big question. Well, as someone who's in classrooms all the time and seeing a lot of people coming in and out of the classroom, I think something that is important to consider is how it affects the kids in the room. So you also have to think just about the the level of disruption of learning too, and making sure that people have schedules. I mean, I know that seems basic, but you know, what are the schedules? When are they coming in? Posting those schedules up for someone to see, you know, for not someone, for everyone to see. So kids know when someone's coming in for them, but that also allows the other adults in the room to know. Um, Something that I run into currently is not always having um, the staff in a classroom aware of when I'm seeing students. And so that makes it like if they, they haven't maybe remembered to post it for that day, oftentimes the kids will know when they see you, but, um, making it so that everyone that comes in and out of there knows that I think that's very basic, but really a necessity.
0: Well, and I think what, um, I used to do as a teacher was i would try to and i know time is of the essence especially at the beginning of the year especially with contractual obligations you're not allowed to like be in your classroom until a certain day and things like that but to try to find the time like you said to meet with your specialists and have a schedule already drafted out so that they're not popping in at different times mm-hmm. especially with your type of setting if you're in a substantially separate or even like any sort of pullout model yeah i feel like the related service providers take extra care in that um and so if you're doing testing or if there's any other evaluations or anything like that there's almost in some ways more thought put into that class because those kids are in those substantially separate places for a reason right <laughs> um so it's important not to be a, the least amount the least amount of distract the least distracted whoa i can't do it rewind today. all right let me start over To have the least disruption as you walk into the classroom as possible. So having all that previewing, um, I think is really helpful. So having those schedules at the beginning of the year and also maybe creating a collaboration, because I think you can speak a lot to this Mm -hmm. around that push in model and that almost like co-teaching between the related service provider and the special educator or two related service
1: providers, speech and OT doing a spot. Um, Well, it's sort of like what is a consultation in a sense too, like part of the Um, responsibility for providing services for like an OT or speech pathologist is the consultation aspect of it as well. So there should be a time where their, you know, related service providers are able to meet with groups of, you know, whether it's the whole classroom team or it's everybody on the team um, to talk about different ways to make sure accommodations are being followed through on, that kids have the strategies they need, that people understand the best way to work with these students. Um, So I think being able to kind of have some place, some document, whether it's a living document on Google or someplace where you're, uh, you know, you're able to share out with everybody on the student's team when they have appointments, who they meet with, what are some things the kids are working on with those individuals, um, whether there's time for consultation to be able to really work with the team of people that are in the classroom with the kids every day um, is super, super important. And when that isn't happening in a fluid way, you definitely can feel that. It's something that, I think everybody probably needs, you know, a little bit of help managing with the communication piece of all of that.
0: Well and I think even with all the support, you know as well as mm-hmm. I do, when when you walk into a room, I think all the kids are like, Are you here for me? Are yeah. you here for me? Are you here for me?
1: I actually i currently have a group of students in the classroom that want to say my name. They they have a competition of who can say my name fastest. Oh. So that that's a little disruptive. That's a tough one. I'm uh, still trying to work on how to how to figure that one out. How to so, manage that yeah. one.
0: I also think it's really helpful to build those relationships with, and we'll get to the paraeducator piece of it, because I think there's a lot that you and I have, a lot of helpful hints that you and I have worked through, mm-hmm. even though you're sort of outside of the classroom, I feel like you do so much work in classrooms well, with teachers that you know how easy it can be with some mm-hmm. assistant teachers, and how
1: challenging other assistant teachers can Right, well, be. and everybody's it's, got a little bit of a different style, a little different personality, like I'm at a place where I feel like I can give. I can sort of role model for students and adults in the room. Like I'll raise my hand and I'll suggest something if the teacher is asking a question. You know, trying to facilitate that. You know, what's expected in this moment for kids to be doing, and so adults and kids see that. Um, but yeah, I think the the visual piece of it, making sure that you know the team members are all connected. And I know that within my setting, we meet regularly to talk about individual students with whole, you know, the whole team of people that are involved internally, like within the school. So I'm not sure if that's possible in all settings, but I think that's also really important. So there's, you know where you're overlapping and you know where you can support each other. And you also get more comfortable interacting with all the members of the team so that you don't, you know, because there's probably going to be times where you may have to you know maybe somebody came and picked up the kid when you were supposed to see them or you know you're disrupting a situation because you're having a conversation with an adult in the back of the room and the teacher's like hey wait a-, you know being able to feel comfortable approaching people and having maybe tougher conversations about maybe something that didn't go quite right and if you feel like you have a working relationship and respect with people that's easier to do too
0: well and i think those meetings that you're talking about as as challenging as it can be in a public school setting because of contractual obligations. And like, I know, um, where I am like the paraeducators, anytime outside of school hours, they can't, they have to be there voluntarily at this point. Now I don't know if that's everywhere. I've heard different things depending on the district, but I know that they're very different contracts. So things, you know, you really have to have a dedicated paraeducator to like want to spend that time. But if you can, during the day, if you have a pair that's a one-to-one or even in a small group that you know is with the same kid all the time, it might be helpful to say like, hey, can we touch base or mm-hmm. send them a Google Doc and get their feedback and input. It's really important. And help them create um,
1: create that environment where they feel valued. Well, people buy into that. And I, I've said for as long as I can remember that I can learn something from any person I work with, whether they it's day one or day, you know, a thousand and one for that person and whatever their role may be. And if someone is really dealing you know or even if you have like a clinical person who's dealing with a student and there's a lot of stuff going on outside of school that can be a person that's a really good reference and someone that you may want to meet with and get more information but I think it's also really important it's almost like a like a ripple in a sense, or like a a target, you know, you've got the middle people that are the ones that are with the student all day long, the people that are in the classroom every day. And then you sort of branch out and you're getting maybe related services or you're getting clinical team. And then maybe you have people that are maybe even more sparsely meeting, or maybe it's a reading specialist is more intimately aware of the student. And then you're getting further out from there. But I think having everybody, whether Again, I don't know if it's a it's a piece of paper that has all this information that's important for people to know about the student, but something that I find is challenging, and I don't know if this is everywhere else, is that there's sometimes um, a dynamic situation where you're not always with the same adults every day. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have somewhere that's a reference for what each kid needs, like a quick, I always think of it as like the quarterback um Plays on yes. their on their arm where they can flip and go. Okay, this I actually suggested it once as ridiculous that mm-hmm. we should all have those. Yeah. Um, and like, oh, you know, Jimmy needs this med at this time, and like, oh, reading's really tough, and that's a period of time where he might struggle. And like, just having that information so you all are on the same page is so 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 important.
0: And yeah, and asking for their input for those things. So if yes, to, up- creating yeah. it as a, like a living working yes. document so that way. If they have like valuing their feedback, which I'm sure most people do, but I think sometimes to hear it is Mm -hmm. because I know when you get when you're so intensely in your work with the kids that you sometimes forget what else is around you. You're like, yeah, exactly. So, and then I also think like for paras, um, finding out what they're interested in, why Mm. they have the job, why they're there. Are they pursuing a degree? Are they there because they like the community or are they there because they're going back to school to be a BCBA, finding their interests and why they're there. And then cap, Capitalizing, I almost say captivating it. Oh, uh-huh. well. Capitalizing on Making it. Making them feel captivated creating, by yeah, it. Creating situations in the classroom where they can, if they're into going back to school for reading, uh, sorry for the music in the background. <laughs> uh, hmm. Saturday afternoon yeah. in this yeah, yeah, apartment yeah. complex yeah. is one of a kind. Um, but if they're going back for, you know, behavior, having them participate in some of the creation of the behavior plans in your Definitely. class or some incentive plans. If they're into reading, having them run their, their own reading group under your supervision. I think creating that buy-in makes just an easier environment in general. Well, And
1: I think that at least I'm running into this, you know, currently is where I think people see the teacher as the one person in the space, in the room, that's supposed to be in charge and everybody else is just waiting on whatever's going to happen. And if you are bought in and you're motivated and people know that you're really interested in pursuing more learning in this area or more learning in that maybe that you can tailor some kind of activity towards that person's interests maybe you can have them be more of a hands-on person that's going to help you as the teacher be able to instruct with less stress because I, I see the the teachers I work with very stressed at times when it's everything it's incumbent upon them to do everything in the room they're making sure everybody has everything they need all the time and they're the ones delegating to the other people and they're it it all kind of falls back on the teacher and i think you have to empower other people Mm -hmm. and that's tough it's not always easy depending on who the support staff are in the room to be the person saying can you please do x like that that's hard for people it's not always an easy thing the more relationship you know based The more you can have a relationship with people and get them to buy in i do truly feel like the more collaboration will happen and they will understand that you really need that support and
0: i also i have found through the years in general that and this is with any person that you value what they're interested in and Mm -hmm. give them what they want or need in those moments that when you have to ask them to do something that's more challenging or difficult like hey I know this this kid is in crisis. I know he's been really challenging. Like, is there a way for a couple of weeks that you can take a turn with the student to give the X person a break? Like, people are more than willing to help when they know that they're cared about and valued. And well, so, here's what's funny about that yeah. statement:
1: it also applies to our students. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> this is not you know some sort of. Uh, guru, new age, you know, this is amazing stuff that we're, this is how people's brains tend to work, you know, how we feel about ourselves. And if we are valued and we feel supported and we feel cared for and, and heard, we're probably going to respond better to the people that we feel that with Mm -hmm. than the ones we don't. It's just how it is. It's, it's funny that you
0: say that. And like, I wholeheartedly agree. And I find myself treating adults how I treat kids, not because adults oh, are childish, wow. but like, oh. I feel like, well, some then adults I'm like, are childish, I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I'm thinking like, in general, it really all comes down to treat others how you want to be treated, mm-hmm. in, no matter who you
1: are. It's so I think Which we got like, a podcast out there to tell yeah. everybody, treat others the way you'd like yeah. to be treated. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know, when you think about it, it's a gold, isn't that the golden rule? It is the golden rule. Yeah. No, it is, it's, it, I, And not to like be so, like it's so simple. It's yeah. not, it isn't. But, I say this all the time with for students, like being connected to these kids, finding positives with each one of them, relating to them on things that are important to them and building that relationship in good times. So when times aren't so good, they trust you. They know that you are there for them, care for them. I think it goes to anybody. People want to be appreciated. I probably have referenced this before, but we do something where I work where it's like shout outs for staff to staff to say like, thank you for this. Or I appreciated that people value that more in some ways than they would like, here's a gift card for a coffee. It's Mm -hmm. like they want, I've said multiple times, like, are we still going to keep doing this? And they're like, you can't stop doing this. We have to keep having this because it makes people feel really, really appreciated and you know, it doesn't mean you're going to get some kind of ridiculous level of motivation out of everybody because of that. Look, some people just may not be in things for the right reasons, but if people are there for the right reasons, you can usually find the the hook that's going to motivate them or that's going to help them feel connected to the process Mm -hmm. or whatever you're doing.
0: Well, and to your point about that, I feel like when we learned about solution focused therapy mm-hmm. and, and it was for it was directed for kids. And I remember sitting in that training and seeing like you could write post it notes on the desks oh, for right, kids. Yes. Blah blah blah. And I think Well it, like post it note that would say like something, something specific, specific about so it's not like great job today. It was like, wow, you answered thirty seven times two really well today. Yeah. Like something really specific. And I'm thinking about it and I was like, wouldn't it be cool like wouldn't the adults like that too? Yeah. And so I um Started doing thank you cards randomly and I brought it into my new job. And I remember um, my colleague was, it was met with hesitancy with my colleague, like, oh, the union, this and that. I was like, people, it's a friendly note. Right. If people have a problem with it, like, She's like, but equity and all that. And I was like, well, then they should be doing something well. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to stop this. And it has gone over in the past two years so well. I don't know how many thank yous I've gotten for the thank you notes. Like, you don't know how bad I needed that. Yeah, oh, I get that. And so I think, like, when when you're in a classroom and you're dealing with all these people in and out, a little, like... Whatever, it doesn't have to be anything physical, just a little post-it note here and there saying like, wow, thank you for consistently coming in every day. This kid really um, enjoys the time with you. He asks about it first thing in the morning or to your educator, thanks for running this reading group every day. Um, it's really you know valuable to me. It frees up this time for me. So I think doing all of those things are really helpful. Now the real question is what happens when you don't have people wanting to be there, it's sort of like, this is just a job. I just get paid to come in and leave every day. I don't care about anything. Yeah,
1: that is a really, that's a really tough one. I think that um, there are some ways maybe to, first of all, I think you it is important to have conversations. I think that it, you know, talking, as we like to do as human beings, talking about this person behind their back or venting to people is fine to some degree, but venting isn't solving the problem. And at some point you got to face it head on. So I think you can always, if you know, maybe speak to someone about ways to problem solve it is is more sensible against solution-focused thinking than just like, I'm pissed at this person for XYZ. I think it's talking to the person, finding out where they're at, Finding out, maybe they're feeling burnt out, maybe they're feeling stressed, maybe they have things going on in their own situation in life that's affecting their performance at work. Trying to find ways. It's a oh, don't mind the helicopter. <laughs> um, trying to find ways to motivate people and to ask how you can be supportive. Is it something that, you know, like, hey, I'm noticing that, you know, you're coming a little late or I'm noticing that you seem to be a little checked out during these times of the day. Or again, being honest. You've actually told me that, that sometimes people really like, you know, you found that when you're having to give people some tough news sometimes or having tough conversations that the more direct you can be without being rude and disrespectful, but direct and being honest with people and building that that space to have people feel like they can be honest with you as well and understand that you're not coming at them. You're trying to be supportive and and create a a dialogue so that things get better.
0: I think that's a huge point that you just made. Boom. So great job. Thank nailed you. it. And I'm even out. with a helicopter distraction. Yeah well that, that
1: inspired it. me. I think
0: one of the things I see all the time, and this is with leaders, this is with colleagues, this is with whoever, is you assume this negative intent mm-hmm. to everything. And I, I don't know how many times like I've been like, well we first need to assume positive intent. Yes. You need to assume that this person is wants to be here and is coming in late for a reason. Sorry. <laughs> Another one. Let's hope they're not like putting the. I never stuff realized you
1: other. live. You live near an airstrip. Yeah,
0: <laughs> actually, I do live near an airport.
1: Oh well, live and learn. Um,
0: and Boston Logan Airport. Oh, that's true. Fly it's not too far. Right it's not us. too far. If their fly, whatever zone, fly zone. Their landing zone comes right over oh, okay. us. Okay, but that those are definitely helicopters. I digress. Um, but I think assuming that positive intent and asking the questions, just like you said, like, is there a way that I can help you through this? I'm noticing this, and assuming that it's for. Um, a reason that's meaningful to them, instead of like I just like I feel like there aren't many people in this world that want to go. Kids or adults alike that want to go into a day and be like, I can't wait to screw someone over today, right. or like I can't wait to, you know, really make someone's day horrible. Like that isn't a typical, no like, feeling. For well, people. I think I have worked with people like that. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, um, and to your point about having the conversation. From personal experience I remember when I used to be too nervous to have those conversations and I found myself building up building up building up and I remember there was one time I left the room to go get a snack for a student and I had two paras in there and when I came back the class was utter chaos mm-hmm. and I remember just saying out loud because I was so frustrated that this had been building and building and I hadn't had those honest conversations and I was like this is why I can never leave this classroom mm-hmm. and I remember immediately regretting that like came out of my mouth and my relationship with those two people were ne- was never the same after that and I think If I had gone back ahead of time and said, hey, look, how can I better assist you when I have to leave the room, whether it's for an IEP meeting or something, how do I help structure this so it's
1: easier for you day to day? But I also think, too, that those conversations, again, are very important, but it isn't also necessarily fair for someone for you to have that conversation and someone to continue to, I don't know, lack of a better way to say it, underperform mm-hmm. and not meet the requirements. And I, and unfortunately, I see this a lot. I think people, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if there's just like, this is a job. It's not what I, you know, it's not my passion. It's just a job. But if it's just a job and you're still working with children, the number one thing is you need to be engaged with kids. And so getting people to feel like they want to be engaged is a really big challenge. But I think there's ways to do that. And if it's just not the right fit for somebody, hopefully that these conversations bring that about and they choose to move on um, if it's not a good fit and otherwise hopefully there is a way to motivate someone or again you find something out if they're willing to share that has nothing to do with work that's maybe just bringing them down or that they were afraid to ask for help or they were afraid to, you know, weren't sure how to go about something. And, you know, we have to give people the tools in order to, mm-hmm. you know, create yeah. with them. You can't just assume everybody knows everything.
0: And sometimes if you, like Raleigh said, even if you give them all the tools, mm-hmm. they don't always still want to use them or want to use. Them. And that's when, you know, I hate to bring it to this, but like, that's when you start documented everything and you should not be afraid audience of getting um, a leader involved I know in our school district our assistant principals work with the paras directly and I work with the related service people and so Mm. I have assisted a lot of people in like how do we coach people to do the right thing for kids Um, and sometimes it doesn't work but the more you document the more information you have about these conversations so that way when you go to your assistant principal or you go to your lead, your building leader or whomever you can say like I've already had x y and z conversation here's what they looked like what advice do you have for me for mm-hmm. next steps um, and that way um, there isn't any and and honestly give that paper to them like be open about it. Send them an email after. Say like, hey, I'm just going to write all this down so that way we both know what our plan is moving forward, and that way they see it, they have it. It's not unexpected, but you're still documenting that for, for
1: if it's not a good fit. We went off on a little tangent. We there. did, but but I mean, bringing it Hopefully back, it bringing it back <laughs> full circle to, I think getting to basics of if you have a lot of people coming in and out of your classroom, think it's you know. Making sure people understand what the schedule is for everybody, knowing what services each kid has. Everyone in the classroom should know, you know, the people that are sort of that's their home base, Mm -hmm. should know what services each kid has, who the service provider is, Mm -hmm. um, what times and when they're meeting. Other service providers should also have that information so that there's not that cross pollination and you're like, I went to get him. He was out with this person or like i came to be with the student someone else is with them um it avoids that making sure that the schedule is visible to all um having those meetings when you can organize your classroom space organize yeah i mean like i mean in terms of like your physical
0: furniture to the best of your ability yeah I don't know. okay <laughs>
1: that's always a, that's always a good one yeah um, so, you know
0: i meant so that i don't know whatever yeah. i don't know what i'm
1: saying <laughs> <laughs> so that everybody fits in there yeah okay no, no, no. sure it's always good that's always good <laughs> okay uh, brush your teeth twice a day too <laughs> you know whatever wash your uh, hands wash your seconds. hands after <laughs> yeah so i think making sure that you have uh, that's why i said like having this documentation having some kind of paperwork whether it's physical paperwork it's online where people know the the quick information the quick hitter information about each kid and then when specialists or when service providers are coming to your space or you're taking they're taking your students understanding what these kids are working on how can you carry that over to the classroom and being receptive to doing that um and being receptive to maybe having those open conversations of like i will definitely try this letting people know what is and isn't working what is really doable for you and being open to trying things but also being realistic that maybe this because not everybody is giving you the ideas that are the easiest for you to implement i say this to teachers all the time, like, tell me now if this is not something you can mm-hmm. do. Like, and this could be just in a larger meeting, like we're, you know, somebody, a kid's having struggles and we're all meeting and like, I can see the teacher getting stressed. Like I gotta do that and this and that. And I say, hold on a second. Does this actually make sense to you? Can you make this work? What part of this, we've given you seven things, which two can you actually do? Mm-hmm. Let's focus on that for right now. Let's not worry about all the rest of it. There's already so much going on. These kids are challenging, mm-hmm. they're complicated. Families are challenging and complicated. There's only so much time in a day. Let's simplify things to the best of our ability. Let's find ways that we already cross over and ways that we can make everyone's life easier without adding burden and adding any sort of guilt. Like, well, you didn't do this. That's why this is happening. No, we're trying to make everybody feel like they can reach the level that's that feels comfortable to them and doable to them.
0: And realize you're, you can only manage so much in a day. Right. Don't ex- Don't expect that... You're gonna get it all done and let it go for yourself. Like, don't don't hold on to it when you leave. Okay, frozen. Um, All right. So, ready for your would you rather? Because that was smooth transition. That was a really smooth transition. That's how I roll. I in in at baseline. I'm a. um, I found a good one, but uh, you know what? The young folks may not know this uh, reference. But we're gonna try it. I guess we're not the young folks. Um, No. Would you rather be Chandler Bing or Joey
1: Tribbiani? Um, it's a friend's reference. For uh, the thank, Google, oh, I was Google like, search. thanks. Um, I feel like I already am Chandler Bing, but you know what? I, that is so hard. You know what? I feel like I'm already a little bit Chandler Bing because I'm very sarcastic. So I'm going to switch to be wanting to be Joey Tribbiani so I can be cool and chill and Really, just enjoy eating all the time and no worries, and every and lovable, and everybody forgives me all of my errors. And I'll take a Chandler bong Okay. because I feel Ms. like Miss Chandler. Ms.
0: I feel like I could uh, use a spark of sarcasm that makes sense for people in my life. Yeah, that's true. You need a little. Like work. I'm not always. I try to be funny, but it doesn't work. It, it's okay. You're you're all right. You're getting there. <laughs> Once in a while. You're getting there, Chandler. <sighs> Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Erin, for that um, question. It's really helpful for us to drive our podcast. Um, we have a lot of great ones coming up this summer, and mm-hmm. so um, with some guests, hopefully. Yep. So follow us. Give us five star reviews. I think I don't know if we're there yet because I don't know if we have that many. I don't people, but, know. You know, um, at Unstuck Podcast One. And um, let us know what you think. And don't forget to answer those Would You Rather Wednesdays. Those are fun. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.